0: You can be seated. Oh, I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in Chapter 3. Okay, but what if I want something, but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. (laughs) Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? (laughs) No. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book it's only one page long (laughs) the advice is priceless and the book is free wow i like the sound of that yeah we can put it on our credit card (laughs) so get out of debt now write for your free copy of don't buy stuff you cannot afford and if you order now you also receive seriously if you don't have the money don't buy it (laughs) along with a 12-month subscription to stop buying stuff magazine so order today
1: Well, I'm pretty sure that book's not available, um, but it does have some, some good advice there in, in that one-page book. Some of you may remember the, you might be Jeff Foxworthy, you might be a redneck if, jokes, right? Well, you might need this series that we're starting today, Financial Freedom, if you spend more than you make each month. You might need this series if you're not sure if you spend more than you make each month. And if you don't care if you know if you spend more than you make each month, you might need this series. If you're deep in financial debt, a lot of pressure, and maybe you're only making the minimum credit card payment each month, you might need this series. Maybe you're making financial decisions that you hope your spouse and the IRS don't find out about. You definitely need this series, okay? Maybe you're here today and you think, you know, my finances are in good shape, but if you're in that place that you want to do even more for the kingdom of God, then you need this series. And this series is not based on that book, Don't Buy Stuff with money you don't have, but it's based on the Bible. So every principle and premise that you're going to learn over the next several weeks in this financial freedom series is based right out of the Bible. In fact, Jesus spends more time talking about money than just about any other subject because he knows how closely connected our heart and our wallet is. That's why he said, where your money is, there your heart will be also. I'm gonna stop right now and do a little infomercial. Um, we did this series in 2016, and if you were here in 2016, we gave you this book, ABCs of Financial Freedom by Barry Cameron. And so if you were here during that time, and you got that book, good, keep it, and you might wanna reread it. If you were not here during that time, we want you to stop by our info desk and pick one of these books up. Okay? It's going to be absolutely free to you. Okay, You like free stuff, right? This book is free. We also, our small groups are going through this financial freedom workbook. And maybe you're not in a, a, a small group. That's okay. I want you to get one anyway. And maybe you decide that I just like to get together with a couple of friends and maybe this is a great way to get a small group going Just say, hey, you know, would you guys like to do this financial freedom series with us today? We'll get these workbooks. We're giving these to you as well. And voila, you've got a small group started and so over the next six weeks, you can go through these workbooks together. And why are we giving you these resources free? Because we want to see you get on track. We want you to get your financial household in order so that you can do all that God intends you to do. The average person really doesn't believe that they have a problem when it comes to finances. That's the same reason people don't like to step on the scales because they really don't want to know how bad the problem is. But the truth is the average American is a pretty lousy financial money manager. An average Christian is not much better than the average American. In fact, many Christians live in deep bondage to financial slavery due to credit card debt. And it's a real sensitive subject because you even begin to suggest that people need to change. They get all touchy and and sensitive. It's, It's something that they can easily become offended on. A lot of people don't believe they have a problem as long as they can make their payments, as long as they can go out to eat once in a while, maybe that they can do something fun on occasion. They're kind of ignoring the fact. They're kind of like somebody that's got an addiction such as an alcohol or, or a drug addiction, gambling or pornography addiction. Now, I really don't have a problem. They just are in denial Today, as we launch this series, I hope that you will come to realization that maybe you are not doing what God has asked you to do, and you're not living the blessed life that He intends you to live. Brad and Ted Quantz wrote a book called Mind Over Money. Now, I'm not going to recommend this book because right on page one, they start out saying that if you have financial problems, the big lie that you have bought into, that it's your fault. Somehow it's, it's your doing that you're in financial debt, that you're either crazy, greedy, lazy, or whatever. And they said, that's just a big lie. They've got a chapter titled, The Zoo Within You. And they said, in your brain, now listen to this, I'm not making this stuff up. You've got a monkey, a crocodile, and a scientist all living in your brain. And so when you buy something Like an impulsive purchase, it's probably the monkey or the crocodile, not the mad scientist in your brain. I mean, this is pretty crazy stuff, isn't it? So it's really not my fault that I bought that new car that I can't afford. You know, the monkey told me to do it. The monkey did it. That's a lot easier to blame somebody else than to accept responsibility yourself. It's just crazy. Kind of like that guy who sued several years ago all those fast food restaurants because they contributed it to making him obese. And and what he told Good Morning America, they never explained to me what I was eating. Really? So he sued McDonald's and Wendy's and Burger King and KFC because they didn't explain what he was eating. It's just nuts but there was a guy that actually sued McDonald's and he won that case and he was awarded $17,500 in damages because they'd made him fat. And he blamed it on their free lunches that they provided for him. He was the manager, by the way. <laughs> kind of like this Texas t- truck driver. now. Texans are a lot of fun to pick on, aren't they? I mean, we like to play them in football and beat them. And Any Texans out there today? A, a, a few of them. Okay, well, this Texas truck driver drove from New Jersey through the Lincoln Tunnel all the way to Manhattan. It's a mile and a half long tunnel in his semi-truck, and it was loaded with... Uh, Toilets and bathtubs and all types of plumbing fixtures, and normally that wouldn't be a problem except for the fact that his truck was 13 feet 6 inches high. And the tunnel had a height of 13 feet. Well, there are plenty of warning signs, even a loudspeaker. There are sirens and everything going off, but he drove, and we have a picture of this, drove the entire mile and a half through this tunnel, tearing the top of his truck off like it was a tin can. Fortunately, no one was injured. It did a lot of damage to the tunnel, though. And the authorities said, we don't understand how this could happen. Even a loudspeaker and all the whistles and warnings and lights and everything going off, but he just kept driving like nothing was going on. You're hearing Enid a few weeks ago there was a train that hit a semi-truck right on, on Garriott. And you may have seen that in the newspaper. Maybe he actually drove by it. Okay, so we have Garriott is blocked off because of the truck. And, you know, we've got our own bridge that has got its own Facebook page and everything. The man, eat, you know, the truck-eating bridge. Well, so while the westbound lane was closed off, there was another truck decided, I'm going to take a detour around, and you guessed it, went down main, even though there's a shark painted here and all kinds of warnings and stuff, peeled his truck off. So now we've got the entire city of Enid blocked off going west because the train has stopped and both of the accesses now are, are closed off. You think, how does this happen? Well, it happens more frequently than you could imagine. That's why that, that bridge has got its own Facebook page. There are a lot of things in life that shouldn't happen, but they do, like that tr- truck driver just driving through the tunnel, ignoring all the, the warnings. So we don't need anyone telling us what to do, so we keep going, even if it means destroying the very things and the people that we love the most. If you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. We're going to read the words of David. David was the greatest king that ever lived. In fact, David was a man that was called a man after God's own heart, a very wise man. This is what David said. If we begin reading verse 10, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, O God, and praise your glorious name. Verse 14, though, says, But who am I, and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on this earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. O Lord, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house. For your holy name comes from your hand and it is all your own. Right here, I want you to notice what he said. In verse 11, he said, everything in heaven and earth is yours. So I want you to understand this. What you have, your possessions, are not yours. They belong to God. You just simply get to manage them. You get to decide how they're used. They all come from God. Then in verse 12, he says, both riches and honor come from you. So what we have is because of God blessed us. And in verse 12, he says, your hand makes great and gives strength to all. Lord, you have the power to make someone great or mighty. So God decides who he's going to bless like that. Verse 14, he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give you anything? Now think about that. The hardest person to buy a present for is the person who has everything. Maybe somebody very wealthy that just goes and buys whatever they need. And you've got to go buy them a present and they just go buy whatever they want. That's the hardest person to buy a present for. And that's what David was saying. God, how do we give you anything because it's already yours? You have it all. You own it all. Verse 14, he says, all things come from you. And all that we gave you was yours already. Has anyone ever tried to give you something that was yours already? We've got one of our grandkids that uh, her, her love language is giving gifts. And she will bag up little different gifts and things. And it, it's always stuff that we already have in the house. And so it's already ours. But she gives us this gift anyway. So how, how would it be if... You know very I mean if it's similar you 're standing by your car and somebody walks out i 'm going to give you this car well well that 's my car already I own this car, but i 'm going to give it to you anyway free and cl- it's yours. I own this car anyway that 's what David was saying, God, how can we give you something that you don't already own and don't already have if you're ever going to achieve financial freedom. It's going to begin with our attitude, and I believe there are five attitudes that we need to change and that we need to go from this attitude to change it to another attitude. The first one is the attitude that I don't need a plan to the attitude of if I don't follow God's plan, I don't have a prayer. You can't afford to keep driving through the tunnel as if nothing's wrong. Most of us are familiar with this verse in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. without a vision, the people perish. But the English Standard Version, which we use as our pulpit text and which was in our pews, says where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Now, where do you think a prophetic vision comes from? The internet, Google, or Facebook? How about God? That's where a prophetic vision comes from. And what does it mean the people cast off restraint? It means they don't have a plan. They just lose all their self-control and they just pretty much do whatever they want. And we are living in a world and a society of people that don't have a plan and they just do whatever they want and they cast off all restraint. So when we don't have God's vision, we're just doing our own thing. We're just like that truck driver from Texas driving through a tunnel, ripping and tearing and doing damage. And we're just oblivious to the whole thing or we just don't care. And then when we get to the other side, we realize that we've destroyed a lot. Maybe the very things that we've cared for. Here's a better idea. Now, I don't know that if I had a a life verse, I don't really know if I have one, but this is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Proverbs 16.3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. That includes your finances. So if you want to achieve financial freedom, we've got to change our attitudes. Second attitude we need to change is what I do with my money is my business to the attitude of what I do with God's money is God's business. Like David said, everything in heaven and earth belongs to God. All things come from Him, and everything we give to Him was already His in the first place. Now, I was talking to Bill Mayberry about this uh, out in the lobby beforehand, because anybody that's a, a parent has, has had this happen. Now, younger your kids, they want, you know, 50 cents to go to the snack bar or something, but eventually, the, the older they get, the more they ask for. And so... As parents, we, you know, they want to go to a concession stand, so we give them a tin, and they go buy a, a box of popcorn and, and a soda pop, and guess what? You never get the change, do you? It never comes back to you. And so later, y- you, know, you send them to the grocery store when they start driving and send them with some money, and you still never get the change. But when my kids were little, they used to come up and say, Dad, uh, we need some money. Well, what do you need money for? Well, we got to go buy you a present. You know, Christmas present, a birthday present, Father's Day present. I, I, let me understand this. OK, you want me to give you now how much you want? 20 or 40 dollars, you're going to go buy me something, and then you're going to keep the change, right? Well, that, yeah, that's normally the way that works. I've got a better idea. Why don't I just go buy that and keep the change myself? It's a whole attitude that we've got to change. Third attitude is there's nothing I can do to there's nothing God can't do. I want you to know this morning that there are no hopeless situations. Maybe you have buried yourself in financial debt and you say, there is no way out of it. Maybe you have failed to pay taxes for years and years and you have found yourself in such a a financial mess that you think, I can't get out of this. I want you to know there are no hopeless situations when it comes to God. He's able to take a complete disaster, and he's able to turn it around. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able. I I, I want us to stop right there, okay? I want you to repeat that back to me. He is able. That's not very believable. He is able. able. I'm I'm starting to get there, starting to feel the love. He is able. able. I'm almost believing it. One more time, He is is able. Okay. To do far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want you to know no matter how hopeless you feel your situation is right now, no matter how desperate your situation is, no matter what kind of financial mistakes you've made in your life, He is what? He's able. He is able. Fourth attitude we've got to change is giving to get something to the attitude of giving for no other reason than I love God. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Those people that truly have learned to give, learn and understand how fulfilled and blessed it is to to be able to give to somebody. To be able to give to somebody that can't repay you, that's not expecting it, that didn't ask, but you just choose to bless them. That's one of the greatest joys of my life is being able to give to others. And, and in fact, this last Thanksgiving, Leah and I did something that we'd never done before, but we called our, our daughters out on to, to the back deck with, our, with their spouses. And I said, I, I wanna give you guys our Christmas present. And they said, what? I said, I wanna give you guys our Christmas present. And I gave each of them an envelope with $200 in it. And I said, this is what I want you to do between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I want you to just keep your eyes open and pray about this and find somebody that you can bless, that's not expecting it, that can't repay you, that didn't ask, I want you just to bless them. And then at Christmas time, I want you to come back and tell us the stories. One of the stories was that there was a, a single mom in Florida gassing up a vehicle in Florida. Our son-in-law was in Florida traveling, and he was able to buy some gas and realized this mom, she was just getting like 5 or $6 worth of gas. He said, let's fill it up. And then he was able to, to, to get her, her kids some food. I, I, that blessed me so much. And I told them, I said, we love to give and we want you to experience the joy of giving without expecting anything in return. There are four levels of giving and every one of us today are at one of these levels of giving. The first is a hesitant giver. Now, the hesitant giver probably rarely will give money to anyone, regardless of whether it's to God or anyone else, but they really not sure they can trust God, or they have very little faith that God will provide for them, so they just rarely give, and they're always looking for a reason not to give. The second level of giving is the obedient giver. This is the, the people that do just what they're supposed to do. In Malachi chapter 3, we're told to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And these are the people that just do what they're told to do. It's kind of like the employee that shows up every day for work, clocks in at just the right time, and then as soon as work is over, they clock out and they're gone. They don't do any more or less. They just do what's expected of them. And they probably don't have a lot of joy or happiness in giving like that. They're just obedient. Okay, God expects this. I need to do it. The third level is the abundant giver. They are the people who do what they're supposed to do, and then they go above and beyond. They decide that, okay, God asked for a tithe, but I'm going to even give more. I'm going to bring an offering too. And they go above and beyond what's expected. And those people have got a lot of joy, a lot of happiness. And they give because they know that it brings great pleasure and great fulfillment and obedience to God. The fourth type of giver is the extravagant giver. That's the rarest giver of all. This is the person who gives sacrificially. Oh, they give their tithes, they give their offering, but then they are constantly looking for other people to bless. Without expecting anything, they just go way above and beyond, and they are constantly giving. And their hearts are so full of joy and happiness, and they are receiving blessings from the Lord that you cannot imagine. Very few people ever make it to that level of giving. But every one of us today are at one of those four levels. So which level are you at? The hesitant, the obedient, the abundant, the extravagant. Let me ask you, though, which level do you think God wants you to be at? Where do you think he wants you to be? I hope you think that you know where God wants you to be. And that's his fifth attitude is honoring God with my wealth is where I end up to the attitude of honoring God with my wealth is where I want to begin. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Do you understand? God says, I want you to bring the first fruits, not the leftovers. Not the stuff that's discarded and, and, and that I don't need anymore. He said the first fruits. How many of you like to receive something that's wore out, broken, dilapidated? I don't like to receive that. Why do we think God wants that? The leftover change the leftover whatever. I love the story about a couple that saw the ad in the, in the church bulletin that they needed a couch for a Sunday school classroom. And, and so they thought, hey, th- this is a chance. Our, our couch is getting pretty old and decrepit. Let's go buy a new couch and then let's go donate that the old couch to the church and you know everybody will be happy. And they got it home and they realized, you know, We just gave God our leftovers. We just gave God something that we really wanted to get out of our house that wasn't really good enough for us anymore, so let's just give it to God. So they decided, let's reverse this. That new couch, let's give that one to God. And let's be content with this old one. We've got to learn to do it God's way. And our goal in this series is not just to get more money for the church. Okay, hey, that's not our goal. Our goal is for you to get your financial house in order so that you can do more for the kingdom of God. Evie Hill, the famous pastor of the missionary Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles said, whatever God can get you through, he will get you to. Get that? Whatever he can get you through, he will get you to it. 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, and and the devastation was awful there. I was able to lead a group of college students through Campus Crusade there for some restoration uh, efforts there, and it was absolutely uh, overwhelming, the destruction that that was done there. Entire communities and villages just wiped out and flooded and destroyed, Many of those people lost their homes, their jobs, their, and so they, they moved to different parts of the country, you know, just kind of with relatives or wherever they go. They just dispersed. This church, uh, White Dove Fellowship International had a whole different attitude. They averaged about 3,000 people, but the first service after the flood and after the hurricane, they only had about 300 people. Pastor Miles, he said, You know, this tragedy has affected our congregation. But he said, I want you to know we have successfully planted people all over the United States. And he said, You know, we used to sing this song, Jesus is all we need. But he said, Now, Jesus is all we've got. You know, what a great attitude. That attitude is that attitude that we need to have that if we're going to be all that God wants us to be we've got to realize Jesus is all I've got. I hope you get to that point in your life where you can say okay, Jesus, you're all I've got but that's all I need. Because What's the scripture tell us today? He is what? Able. He is what? Pray with me. Father, as we kick off this series today, uh, it's our, our desire that you work through, through these teachings over the next several weeks to teach us what you want us to know and how you want us to live when it comes to our finances. Lord, you know that where our often where our finances are, there our heart is, and there our thoughts and our mind is. Lord, help us to focus on you. To realize you already own our our stuff. You already own our money. We just get to make decisions. Lord, the most important thing that we can decide on is saying that jesus is our savior and so lord if there's somebody here today that does not know jesus christ as lord and savior i pray this is the day of salvation for them in jesus name